is the Employment Law Show on Global News Radio. And welcome to an Employment Law Show. Indeed, John Scholes here along with partner John Pinkus and Firu Tamarkin, LLP, the most positively reviewed employment law firm in the land, ready to take all of your calls and your questions. Got a lot to get through in the show today. We'll talk about the aging workforce and if we got time, employment law, true or false. That's coming, but your phone calls always the uh, the main priority here in the show, you know how to call through by now, 416-870-6400, 416-870-6400. Email is help at employmentlawyer.ca. So let's get into it, brother. Uh week that was, you got a couple things you wanted to talk about. Uh, what do you got for me? Well, it has been an extremely uh, busy week, John, as, as mm-hmm. you can uh, imagine. And uh, this week is very similar to uh, previous weeks that we have had. And, of course, at the top of uh, the headlines is uh, vaccination issues, as you can imagine. And so we'll get right into that for the uh, for the week that was. Um, so the first situation involves someone who'd been working for a marketing agency uh, for 10 years as a sales manager And since the pandemic, he had been working from home remotely and actually ended up having a fairly good, fairly productive year. Earlier this year, like many companies, a vaccine mandate was introduced by this company to require all employees to vaccinate by September 15th, and those who did not comply uh, would be terminated. Now, this individual was not willing to be vaccinated, so on September 15th, his employment was terminated. But not only was his employment terminated, but he was terminated for cause and offered no severance. So he came to us and asked if there was anything that we could do. The first thing I told him, like we've been telling many people, is what we cannot do. Because this is important for anyone with an impending vaccine mandate to understand. And that is, we cannot get him his job back. All we could do is to seek compensation. Uh, But that's where I had good news for him, because this company was not mandated by any provincial order to have their staff vaccinated. So the company's decision to impose the vaccine mandate was voluntary. Now, if it wishes to terminate its employees as a result of not being vaccinated, at a minimum, this employer is going to owe those employees severance and potentially other damages as well. So we are going to be working to help this employee obtain a severance package. And certainly I would not be optimistic uh, from a financial standpoint on this case if I was legal counsel for the employer. Now, there are a couple lessons here for employees. Firstly, because a lot of employees are dealing with vaccination uh, mandates that take effect at some point this month, uh, we cannot get you your job back. The reality for you here is that you do need to make the choice between taking the vaccine and keeping your job. But if you ultimately make the decision not to get the vaccine and you're not offered a severance package or your severance package is less than what you find on the severance pay calculator, please do contact us because unless you are working somewhere where vaccination has been mandated by government, so in Ontario that would be long-term care homes, for example, uh, you are going to be owed severance if you're let go. Now, if you work for a long-term care home or somewhere where it's been provincially mandated, it's probably safe to assume that not only will you be let go, you may not have an entitlement to severance either. But outside of those rare situations, this is going to be a without-cause dismissal, so we can at least work on a severance package for you so that you have some financial relief while you're looking for employment elsewhere. You know, a lot of people, John, are, it, it's, I mean, they're still talking about the vaccine and their hesitancy and they don't want to take and they're wondering what to do, which, you know, most of the question you just answered right there. But the latest thing I'm hearing, uh, you know, from calls to this show and outside of here is people are now saying, I don't want to do the testing. I don't plan to take the vaccine, but this testing two, three times a week that I have to do, 
I don't want to do that either. Where where do I stand as far as that's concerned from an employment perspective? You know, I think you are putting yourself in a particularly precarious situation if you do that. Now, again, it, it, it comes down to if you're if you're not going to do it and you're prepared to accept the consequences, um, then, you know, it's, it's, it's the same outcome as vaccination in the sense that you're going to lose your job. But if you are not willing to test either and you're in a situation where there is an elevated risk uh, or you're in a client facing role, then you may actually be jeopardizing your severance as well. And in fact, what I tell many people in this situation is that if you are not willing to be vaccinated, then at a minimum, I would be writing to your employer and offering to do testing as an alternative. Uh, because if you're not even willing to do that, it's just the optics are not going to going to be very yeah. good for you. And the employer is going to have um, at least an arguable position in that case, depending on the circumstances, that that's in subordination. Now, again, not every employer. Some employers won't even be able to justify testing, perhaps if you're working from home and there's no scenario right. where you would where you would be in contact with people, maybe even testing is not going to be logical in those cases. But in other cases, um, you know, it's it's dangerous not just to your job, but potentially to your severance as well. Again, lots of time here on a uh, Monday night to call through, ask your questions. It could be about vaccines. It could be about anything about your employment, your job, going back to work and, uh, and otherwise. 416-870-6400. What's the uh, second matter you want to talk about? So second situation uh, actually involves someone uh, who was terminated unrelated to vaccines. Uh, they worked for a company for the last 15 years as a technical engineer. And about three years ago, the company offered him a one-time bonus in exchange for signing a contract. The bonus was $1,000, and so he felt, mm-hmm. hey, I can use the money, so I'll go ahead and sign this contract. Signs the contract, no questions asked. Well, lo and behold, you know the story, John. You've heard it many right. times. Uh, three years later, company terminates his contract. And remember that contract he signed? Well, now the company yeah. wants to rely on it because it contained a termination clause saying you only get the statutory minimum. Now, this employee's kicking himself. Why, oh, why did I not did I sign that contract without having a lawyer look it over? And now this could have been a disaster because in this particular case, the difference between his statutory minimum and his full entitlements was about $80,000. Oh, gosh. Good grief. But fortunately, the contract had a completely illegal termination clause, so we are going to be able to help him obtain something much closer to his full entitlements. So I'm going to say here there's two lessons for employees. First, please, I cannot emphasize this enough. Before you sign a new contract, especially if you are being asked to sign it midway through your employment, please speak to an employment lawyer. The employer is not asking you to sign this out of the goodness of their heart or to file it away in a cabinet somewhere. They're asking you to sign it because they may rely on it someday. Now, the other thing is that if you've already done that, if you've already signed something and you are let go and the company is relying on it, don't just assume that that's all that you get. Call us. Speak to us. It's not the end of the story. The vast majority of the time, we can still help. So avoid it if you can. But if you're in that situation, still absolutely give us a call. And I think for employers, I mean, if you're thinking about, you know, hey, that's a good idea. I should get some employment contracts. Don't don't use some sort of Google template and assume that's going to be legally binding, right? Again, as an employer, they should reach out to you guys and, and have one properly drafted so it, it doesn't, so it does hold water, so it doesn't fall apart upon review, right? You're absolutely right, John. If you're an employer and you want to avoid uh, hearing from someone like me on the other side of this <laughs> acting for an employer, uh, employee, then the best thing to do is to speak with someone like me, like an employment lawyer uh, who can help you avoid that situation. Because if you draft it legally, yes, you can rely on it, of course.
Again, 416-870-6400. Lots of time for you to uh, call through for the remainder of the show tonight. Talk to John, get some answers, whether it's about uh, vaccines or workplace issues, severance, uh, constructive dismissal, being put on a layoff, all that stuff, because that's been going on for about a year and a half. So do you have to be on it? Phone and find out, give you some answers. Aging workforce. We'll get into this conversation as well um, because we do have one. So, you know, number one here, John, what can employers do with older employees who become I, don't know, I guess the simplest way to say it would be less productive, right? Right. I mean, sometimes people become less productive over time, and um, sometimes it's just a consequence of getting too comfortable in their job, right? And, and many times it has absolutely nothing to do with their age. So an employer may not be discriminatory in simply noticing that one of their employees who happens to be older is also becoming less productive. Now, the first thing that I usually uh, ask employers to do is, you know, canvas whether there's if you believe a medical issue may be at play. Certainly don't assume that there's a medical issue at play, but if you have, if the employee has been requesting medical leave every so often, has had to go for some appointments, um, or has been, you know, complaining about something that they're suffering from, then definitely ask if they need accommodations. Now, if that's not something you suspect, and there's no reason to suspect a medical issue, the next thing you want to do is consider offering coaching. And if it is severe, um, offer a performance improvement plan but if you're offering a if you're going to start with a performance improvement plan make sure you're doing it not just to build a case for cause right if you're if you are doing a performance improvement plan as an employer you should be genuinely hoping that you can salvage the employment relationship because i see a lot of employers do this and it's just so transparent that they're not doing it to actually help the employee they're doing it just to help save them money at the end. And 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 the yeah. law will will notice that. A judge will notice that. So make sure that you're sincere in in your motivation. If you really just want to let them go, you can do that. You can you can let them go without cause. And if it really is unrelated to their age, you're not going to be liable for discrimination and we can help walk you through that to make sure that you can uh, paper it properly to show the actual reasons why you let them go. The number to call in before we take a break. I want to slide a call in there, 416-870-6400. Karen, thank you so much for standing by for a moment. How are you? I'm great, thank you. How are you guys? Fantastic. What's uh, what's on your mind? Well, on Wednesday, I'm going to be given an offer of severance from a company. Um, I've been asked to retire. And it's due to wanting to reduce overhead, reduce labor. Uh, and I've been with this company for 12 years. For the last eight years, he's been my only client. I invoice him 40 hours a week, regardless of how many hours I work. I don't get sad. I don't get any of that. And I, But I get benefits. So I'm just wondering what I should be looking for. Okay, well, a, a bunch of here things to work through here. I know, John, we don't have a lot of time, so we'll I'll, I'll work through it as quickly as we can, and, and we'll probably have to continue with a call off air. But I gather yes. you're being paid as a contractor and, and have been paid as a contractor throughout this time? Yeah. Okay. Uh, uh, I, am reg- I pay my HST or my GST. Pay your HST. Okay, and, and what kind of services do you do for this company? Everything. Everything. So, okay. Mark, everything, everything. Okay, uh-huh. so you're, you're fairly integrated into the company, I, I, I suppose. Yeah, it was him and I and uh, four guys when it started. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, mm-hmm. um, I, this is definitely something we should have a call off air, particularly once you have that offer of severance so we can look at it and we can see if it's adequate. There may be other things okay. that you're owed as well. If you, were proper, if you were improperly treated as a contractor, you could be owed vacation, statutory holiday pay, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. maybe uh, – 
a host of other entitlements. Uh, so there's that issue. Uh, there's the issue, of course, of whether your severance package is adequate because whether you are a dependent contractor or an employee, you're going to be entitled to the same severance. Um, mm -hmm. And of, the other issue is that if you've been asked to retire and it's been framed to you that way, that could be a human rights violation. So there's a lot going on here, and I would uh, strongly recommend you call us as soon as you have that offer of severance. Okay. Is, okay, just give me a hand. Um, where I may look, and I'll go in the middle. Maybe. Uh, well, how, how old are, are you, uh, uh, Karen? 65. Pardon? 65. 65. Well, I thought I was going to die there, you know? <laughs> well, you know, in, in that case, I would say the entitlement, again, depending on the kind of role that you have, uh, probably around 12 to 15 months. Yeah, I was director of operations for the last couple of years. Right, right. So mm -hmm. I, I think that this could be a significant entitlement, certainly upwards of 12 months or 14 or even 15 months. Karen, right. appreciate the call. Got to rock and roll. You can reach out to John afterwards or anytime when the show is done. one 821 5900 Appreciate the call, Karen. Again, one 821 5900 Help at employmentlawyer.ca. Bill, stand by. You're coming up after a short break. And you as well. 416-870-6400 Employment Law Show. Global News Radio. Welcome back to the Employment Law Show on Global News Radio. Welcome back indeed, helping tens of thousands of people get the compensation they deserve. John Pickus and company, partner of the firm, Samfiru Tamarkin, LLP. Reach out anytime, 1-855-821-5900 and employmentlawyer.ca for all things about employment law and links to our long-running TV show as well. Again, employmentlawyer.ca, but here and now, 416-870-6400. Bill, thank you so much for standing by. How are you? I'm good. How are you guys? Beauty. What's uh, what's on your mind? Okay, so I'm 62, and I work for a, a large corporation, federally regulated, and it's unionized. So they want us to sign an attestation of vaccination. And if you refuse, they, they're kind of iffy about it, but it doesn't sound like they're going to be welcoming about it. If that led to my dismissal, could I get a commuted, uh, my pension, could I get the commuted value of it? And would I get as would I be entitled to severance as well? Well, a couple things here, uh, Bill. On the severance front, I, I gather you mentioned it's a unionized workplace, so you're unionized? Yeah, and there's an agreement, there's a schedule for it. Right. So if you're unionized, then only the union actually has the ability to advocate for you here. As far as the pension is concerned, that's really going to depend on the pension policy itself. Uh, and typically you want to go to a pension advisor about that because that, that kind of takes it out of the uh, employment law sphere. So someone like myself is not likely going to be able to advise you on that. So I would start by contacting the pension administrator directly to ask about that so that you know what's going to happen. But as far as you know, actions you can take against the employer, it's only the union that actually has the ability to do to that. So I would recommend that you, you speak with your union rep and find out what their stance on the issue is. Okay, and the pension administrator would be the people at the company? 
Well, it sometimes they uh, often the pension is run by a third party, so you may want to contact the third party, whoever whoever is um, wherever your pension policy is from. Uh, that would be who to contact. Okay, that's great. Thank you. Thank you, Bill. Appreciate your time as well. And you, if you're listening, still have plenty of time to call in and ask a question like Bill gets some answers quick, just like that. 416-870-6400. Back to the aging workforce chat here, John. Next, you know, you mentioned that sometimes it's it's not always a matter of age. It's a matter of getting a little too comfortable in your job, maybe slacking a little bit. But what should an employee do if he or she is actually struggling with their job? What's the first step or couple steps anyway? Yeah, you know, this this can be a really scary situation uh, to be in for an employee, especially if you've been at the same place for so long and all of a sudden mm-hmm. something new is happening at work that is making it very difficult for you to do your, to do your job. And I hear this situation very often. Uh, and if there is something new, something going on either in your life or something going on at the company, some, the company's introduced a new process, you have a new direct superior, um, or you, something health-wise is holding you back, don't suffer silently. Speak to your employer. Do so in email. You can do it in a, a verbal conversation, but make sure you you confirm at least the basics of that conversation by email so that it can't be denied later. Um, and if something health-wise is holding you back, consider a medical leave, right? If you are receiving performance improvement plans and it's not medical-related, it's just something uh, something's changing at the company or they're giving you unfair criticisms, you want to make it clear in writing that um, you know you disagree with the performance plan for the following reasons, and also that you're committed to improve uh, improving. Again, put these crit- put these disagreements mm-hmm. in writing. You will thank yourself later. If if you got an older employee and they can't uh, you know keep up to it to that point, um, can they and will they be disciplined? Well, any any employee can be disciplined if that reason is genuinely linked to their performance and not mm-hmm. to some other issue, their age, their medical condition, their their gender, their race, etc. So as long as there is a genuine performance issue, then yes, of course, an employee can be disciplined, but it's going to depend on the context. Not only does an employer right. have to act in a non-discriminatory fashion, they also have to act in good faith, right? So if an employee, for instance, is begging for training and asking for more time and asking for support and that those requests are reasonable and the employer refuses, the employer can't just throw up their hands and say, well, you know what, we tried and we, have, we haven't done anything. The employer has to engage in good faith performance management. Yeah. Now, that doesn't mean because you're not a perfect employee uh, the employer can always hide behind this. They really have to show that you're objectively failing in the position. Uh, but if they are acting in good faith, they can subject you to a performance improvement plan, and you should take those seriously. Can an employer terminate an employee because they become older, maybe less productive? Well, if they're doing it because they have become mm. older, um, then that's where it becomes a human rights violation. And mandatory retirement is illegal in Ontario, has been the case for the last 15 years. Um, and so unless it's a you know a, one of those rare exceptions where age being young is actually a, an occupational requirement, we call a bona fide occupational requirement, um, then that is going to be a human rights violation. And very important for employers to understand that even if only 1% of your decision, you know, you may have had other reasons. They may have also been a very poor performer. But if you have told this employee, hey, we'd like you to retire, 
Uh, you know, you think about the call we had earlier on the show. If that's what they actually told her, even if they had other reasons uh, for letting her go, uh, that's going to be a human rights violation, and that's going to expose the employer to further damages. The number is 416-870-6400 to call in or help at employmentlawyer.ca. If an employer, I mean, they have no choice, but they got to terminate an older employee, what type of severance should they expect to have? And, and, and does it end there with a the severance question? Well, uh, hopefully for the employer, it ends there. Hopefully they have done it not because they're an older employee. Mm -hmm. And hopefully their decision hasn't been tainted by any discriminatory motive. Uh, but if they have no choice but to terminate that employee, they should expect at a minimum to pay more than they would for a younger employee because the law does treat older employees differently. Now, we look at other factors like the years of yeah. service, the nature of the position, the compensation, the marketplace for those uh, kinds of positions, all the same kinds of things that we look at, uh, some of which you'll find on the severance pay calculator. Um, but you are going to have to pay that employee more because they're older, and you should expect that they're probably going to take longer to find a new job. Now, flip it to the employee side. Now, if an employee feels, you know, there's spidey senses telling them, you know, I was just let go and, you know, maybe there was an excuse or two why, but I, th I really think it was my age, what should they do at that point? Well, the first thing that you should do is um, contact an employment lawyer. Don't sign anything. Do not start a human rights application without speaking to a lawyer because often we deal with human rights issues and severance together. But... Uh, you know, again, the law recognizes that there is that prejudice out there, that there is that prejudice that older people uh, often face uh, when they're applying for jobs, that they are often, um, they often lose opportunities to younger yeah. employees. And so your entitlement's going to be higher. The number 416-870-6400, and we often talk about the email address you can use as well before we bounce over to uh Employment law, true or false? I love these. These are fantastic. I want to get to an email just came in from Blake. Help at employmentlawyer.ca says, uh, guys, my employer has had me off on a layoff for a year and a half, and I don't think they're going to call me back. Is there anything I can do? Well, Blake, yes, there is something you can do. And I think a lot of employees are justifiably simply fed up with what has been happening. You know, this notion that they have been on a uh, quote-unquote leave of absence or uh, that's been imposed on them or, a, you know, a quote-unquote temporary layoff uh, that is now uh, a year and a half and uh, many employers continuing to extend this up to the new, you know, so-called infectious disease emergency leave deadline that is uh, expiring in January, taking it almost up to two years now. Um, wow. And, and <laughs> you know, you're, you're probably right. If you haven't been recalled at this point, it's it's unlikely that you're going to be recalled. And in, and in any event, now I think is an appropriate time to consider, especially if you're not interested in going back at this point, now would be a time to consider seeking a severance package. And more and more employees are doing that, uh, and I think that um, a lot of these things are going to result in terminations anyway. So does it really make sense to sit on your hands now? That's a discussion that we should have. You bet, and you want to reach out to John and the team anytime you could do so, one 821 5900 Other questions? In fact, a website built just for you. It's free and anonymous. And we'll answer a lot of things even before you pick up a phone, and that would be pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. And uh, wrapped up into that would be the severance pay calculator. Even if you haven't been let go, you thought, yeah, you know what? If I was let go today, what would I be owed as far as severance is concerned? Because my friends are all saying, oh, it's a week per year. Wrong. 
pocketemploymentlawyer.ca and check out the severance pay calculator. Okay, I love this part. This is the employment law, true or false. By the way, as John and I go through these, if anything piques your interest as far as a question or you uh, want us to expand on something, 416-870-6400. First one, I don't need a lawyer to help me get full severance. I can just call the old Ministry of Labor. Right. Well, I'm I'm going to give a little bit of a pause after these so that uh, any of our listeners who listen often can have the chance to try and uh, answer it for themselves, kind of Jeopardy style. But I don't think I have to wait too much for this one because I think anyone who's listened to this show probably knows the answer to this is false, of yeah. course. Um, if you have been uh, let go and you've been offered a severance package, uh, the first place to go is to speak with an employment lawyer. You can go on the Pocket Employment Lawyer, uh, lawyer website. You can go on the Severance Pay Calculator website. That's a good place to start. Ultimately, you have to speak with a lawyer because the Ministry of Labor is only able to talk to you about your minimum entitlements. Now, that's not to say the Ministry of Labor is giving you false information. They're giving you incomplete information, and they're actually yeah. – not allowed uh, to tell you anything more than that. Unfortunately, I still hear the odd case of someone from the Ministry of Labor going above and beyond their mandate and, and uh, employees being misled. Thankfully, that's a very rare occurrence now. Uh, mostly, the Ministry of Labor will tell you uh, that you need to speak with an employment lawyer because you may have greater entitlements. We're talking about a significant, significant difference, right? If you're working for a small company and let's say you've been somewhere for 20 years, you could be talking about the difference between Eight weeks of your pain, almost two years of your pain. So just do the math. It, it's just staggering. So please, please speak with an employment lawyer if you're in that situation. Yeah, it's so true. I mean, most times you're talking more than a few shackles, right? So it's worth uh, it's worth reaching out to John and his team, at least having a, a chat for uh, for a couple minutes for sure. Next question. Here we go. Employment law, true or false? My employer can fire me to cut costs because they, I don't know, want to hire somebody new or because I was late for work or I wore the wrong color socks one day. That's all that stuff they can let me go for. True or false? Well, John, survey says true. True. Okay. Surprise, this surprise. This one is yeah. true. This one is true. An employer can let you go almost for any reason. They can't let you go because uh, of your age or some discriminatory factor that's, that's uh, prohibited under the Human Rights mm -hmm. Code. They can't let you go because you've brought an employment standards complaint because that would be a reprisal or because you were talking about bringing an employment standards complaint. Again, that'd be a reprisal. But outside of those statutory violations, generally speaking, an employer can let you go for pretty well any reason. And the, the remedy that you have, the right that you have in that situation is to compensation, is the severance. They have to pay your proper full severance. And uh, again, 416-870-6400, 416-870-6400. You still got some time to call in and ask any questions you may have. I'm going to give you more true or false right here. True or false, my employer can change my level of pay and workload whenever they want. They are the boss, after all. Well, this one's a little bit of a, a tricky one. Um, it, it, to a certain extent, is true. Okay, uh, there is a certain amount of discretion that an employer has, but of course, uh, if they cross the line and they exercise that discretion unreasonably, that can definitely become a constructive dismissal. Now, the, the, this is a point that I often want to, uh, whenever this is discussed, want to talk about employment contracts. I want to bring it back to that. And we were talking about termination clauses earlier on in the show today, but there are other issues that are lurking in employment contracts as well. And one of those is often 
that they can change your position. They can change the nature of your position. They can change your duties. They can change your responsibilities. You often find these in employment contracts, and they often fall under the radar. And an employer is going to lean on that if at some point they want to demote you, if you get into a disagreement, um, and or if at one point they want to, for instance, sometimes they want to move uh, your location, and sometimes that's in your employment agreement. So that is going to prevent you from being able to claim a constructive dismissal later, which is a strange thing to think about. I get it when you're signing an employment agreement, but you have to consider these things if the employer is bringing it up. Again, 416-870-6400 is the way to make that phone call and uh, and ask something. I, I guess it would just be the same way that you can't go in tomorrow and say, you know what, you're going to give me a 20% pay increase because I say it so. It works out yeah, well as well. You just that's an interesting that, right? It's an interesting way to put the shoe on the other foot, John, but yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, just like an employee can't walk in and say, from now on, I'm only going to work if you pay me 120% of my pay. Uh, The (laughs) employer can't say, from now on, you're going to work for 80% of your pay. That is almost always going to be a constructive dismissal because that's a major, major change. This next true or false, I know we get calls on this all the time, and it really is confusing. I don't know if it it goes as far as as severance is concerned, but there are completely different severance rules for federally regulated employees. True or false? Well, this one's going to be false, John, because although federally regulated employees do have a different statute, that is the Canada Labor Code, when we are talking about full severance entitlements, they are subject to the same rules. Now, federally regulated employees do have some other options available. Their minimum entitlements are going to be very different. But when we're talking about getting your full entitlements, it doesn't matter um, if you work for a federally regulated company, so for instance, in telecommunications or for a bank, or if you work for a provincially regulated employee, the law for your full severance entitlements treats both of those things the same. Now, as a federally regulated employee, I mean, one of the differences, I don't know how major it is, but is there a chance in that regard, if you're working with someone like that, you might be able to get their job back, which normally doesn't happen, right? It it normally doesn't happen. Um, Uh. There is a mechanism to do that called the Unjust Dismissal Labor Program. Um, Mm. So the... You do have the right um, to keep your job as long as you haven't done anything that, as long as you're not a manager, as long as you haven't done anything that uh, amounts to cause for dismissal, and as long as your role hasn't been discontinued. Now, often people who come to me, uh, their role has been discontinued, uh, but if the role had, or or they're, you know, in a managerial role, in which case they wouldn't be eligible. But um, if they are one of those people who uh, the role hasn't been discontinued and, you know, employer just decided they didn't want them there anymore, then yes, you can bring an unjust dismissal complaint and you can seek reinstatement. That is a remedy that is available, but you have to do it very, very quickly. It's not a two-year limitation period. It's a 90-day limitation period. and You do not want to wait out that full 90 days, so make sure to call us as soon as possible if you want to pursue that remedy. That number outside the show again, one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. Help at employmentlawyer.ca. All right, next true or false question. A couple more of these left before we get on to some emails for the remainder. That is, your employer has legal cause to fire you if your insurance provider cuts you off your LTD, your long term disability benefits, while you were on disability leave. How about that? False, false, false. I cannot say this enough. And and, and the reason why I say it so emphatically, because this is something that employers will try to convince you of, right? An employer will say, oh, 
your long-term disability is is over. They're not uh, recognizing your long-term disability benefits. Therefore, you can return to work. And therefore, if you do not return to work, we will treat your mm-hmm. employment as abandoned. And that is simply nonsense. That's not how it works. You may be genuinely disentitled to insurance benefits because you're no longer eligible for that because of the nature of the plan. Now, if you listen to the other show uh, that we that uh, that you hear, the Disability Law Show, you know that often that's not the case either. But even if mm-hmm. we leave that aside, even if we leave aside the fact that probably you should be speaking with a disability lawyer and pursuing your significant disability entitlements, those rights that you have under that contract are very different than the right that you have to a medical leave. If your doctor genuinely is giving you advice that you should not be in the workplace, you should be listening to your doctor. The law understands that you have to put your health first and you should not have to choose between advice you're getting from your doctor and what your employer is demanding. Okay, one more true or false question. We'll wrap it up with this one. That is part-time employees have a right to severance when they are fired from their job. So this one's true, and hopefully anyone who is trying to guess it uh, got that one right. It is true. You still have a right to severance if you are let go uh, and you are a part-time employee. What's the difference? Well, the difference is, of course, your severance is going to be based on your part-time income. Uh, sure. But you are you do not lose the right to severance just because you're part-time. In fact, you don't lose the right to severance even if you don't work 12 months a year. Some, some years you get... Uh, you have you know a seasonal time off every year that you that you don't work. The company may not operate, but you still have a right to severance based on the months that you do work. Mm-hmm. Let me get to an email from Carrie here. Last couple minutes uh, of the show tonight. Carrie says, "Guys, if I have uh, been employed somewhere for less than a year, do I still get severance? I read that you have to be employed for five years minimum." Well, I'm, I'm glad, Carrie, that you emailed us because this is a very, very common misconception. So this notion that you have to be employed for five years to be entitled to severance comes from the fact that under the Employment Standards Act, statutory severance for those employers with $2.5 million of payroll or more, those employers have to pay statutory severance once you have reached five years. But this is a minimum entitlement. When we're talking about full entitlements, there is no minimum. There is no minimum amount of time that you have to be uh, employed. Uh, In fact, our firm has gotten uh, severance for people who've been employed places only a matter of months, and the law uh, supports that. So, you know, the question here, if you've been employed for less than a year, you get severance. You get, Not only do you get severance, but you often get the same amount of severance that you would as someone who's been employed for two years, three years, even four years, because the law looks at this holistically. They don't just say, okay, you get one month per year of service. It doesn't work like that at all. The law recognizes that people who've been employed for a short period of time may still actually need several months to get back on their feet. And so I would definitely recommend if you find yourself in that situation that you give us a call or at the very least go on the severance pay calculator, get a sense of what your entitlements may be. Let's get Krista in there quickly before we wrap for the night. says, guys, I'm on a pregnancy leave right now, and I heard someone just took my job. I'm supposed to be back in two months. What should I do? Well, Krista, I know this is a very uncomfortable situation to be in, but for the time being, you kind of just have to sit tight. Now, when you are ready to go back to work, I would say uh, wait until about four weeks before or around that time. Um, I would email the company, let them know that you're ready to go back to work and coordinate your return. And if at that time 
the company says, oh, we've replaced you, well, they're going to be liable for a host of different things, right? They're going to be liable for a breach of the Employment Standards Act. They're going to be liable for a breach of the Human Rights Code. And, of course, they're going to owe you severance. And not only are they going to owe you severance, they're going to owe you more severance uh, because of the situation that you're in and because of the hardships that you'll face as you know, someone having to deal with uh, both childcare and looking for a job. So um, this is a situation where I wouldn't make any assumptions, particularly not based on rumor. Um, mm. Certainly, if you hear anything else, um, then you, you make a note of it because it may become relevant later. But for the time being, act as business as usual. And when you're ready to go back, be aware that you have these rights. That is it. John Pincus was your guy. You want to reach out to him now that we're done for today and tonight. You can. 1-855-821-5900. Help at employmentlawyer.ca. You can also go to a website called covidrights.ca. And as it's mentioned, it'll give you all lots of details about COVID-19 and where it uh, applies to your particular situation in the workplace. And then finally, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca for all things about employment and the severance pay calculator as well. We're back here Wednesday night, but stick around. Don't go anywhere. On point, rolling right back at you. Alex Pearson continues on here. 